Welcome. This is uh, week number three in our series that we're calling Q&A, Questions and Answers. And these are uh, the top five questions that you actually wanted answered from our Christmas survey. Uh, so this is really a series we're saying uh, that is created by you and for you. And in the past couple weeks, questions that we've answered were, how do I handle stress? That was week number one. Uh, last week, we talked about how do I deal with difficult people. And I'm sure you had a chance to put all that into practice uh, this past week. And and uh, for our, this weekend, we're answering the question. I think this is probably one of the big questions, most common uh, questions that people have. Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? And, and maybe you've never actually thought that question itself, but maybe something related to that. So uh, this is going to be an interesting time as we really kind of drill down deep uh, into God's word uh, and answer that question. Why do uh, bad things happen to good people? Uh, so if you have your Valley Creek Christian Church app, you want to go ahead and, and pull that out. We're going to be looking at a good bit of scripture uh, during our time together. And again, I think you may want to look back in this uh, at some point in the future. I, I love this series because I don't have to wonder if this is something that's going to connect with y'all because you asked for it, uh, quite literally. In fact, we could call the series, You Asked For It, because you did ask for it. Uh, why are bad things, why do bad things happen uh, to good people, or why are bad things happening? You know, we ask these questions like, why do so many children die of starvation every year? That, that has nothing to do with a lack of food, by the way. You do a little study. It has to do with greed. That's why that's why children die of starvation. There is more than enough food in the world today to feed everyone multiple times over. Why do so many children starve to death? Well, why do so many die in developing countries of preventable diseases? That, that sometimes just a mosquito net would save thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's lives. Why then, why is there so many natural disasters and hurricanes and tsunamis and tornadoes and earthquakes, you know, whatever, and, and people just die these tragic deaths? Those are kind of the big picture uh, questions, I'd say, that come under that question, why do bad things happen to good people? But I think a little closer to home as a pastor going on maybe 27 years now uh, that, that I've been a pastor I kind of hear these questions a little bit closer to home in more of a, more of a personal way. When I've been asked questions like, uh, why did this bad thing happen to me? Why is this thing going on in the life of someone that I love? Why are these bad things happening to my kids? God, why didn't you help my marriage survive? God, why isn't there someone for me that will marry me? Why did she get breast cancer? Why did he get a brain tumor? Why do we want a child so badly and yet we can't conceive? Why is our child the one that was born with this rare condition and the odds are so much against us. Why did I get laid off from work when I was working so hard and I've got a mountain of bills to pay? Why can't I get ahead, God? I'm trying so hard, it just seems like whatever I do, I can't get ahead. God, why don't you seem fair? I, I, I've... I've been in the presence of people asking every one of those questions, and I could just keep going on and on and on and on. 
You know, I, I, I think it's important and I like to, uh, in every sermon, have some humorous moments to kind of help, especially when you're looking at biblical truth that sometimes is difficult to hear. I think especially on this topic. And maybe I'll say something humorous, I don't know, but I don't have any jokes in my nose. Because this isn't much of a joking matter. Why do bad things happen to good people? I want to give five biblical reasons why bad things happen to good people. And, and, And really, before I jump into those, let me say it this way. The Bible's real clear. Bad things are going to happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. And bad things happen to good people. No one's exempt from bad things happening. And yet the Bible gives us, God's word, incredible perspective about the why. Some of it is preventable. Some of it is not. But we need to have God's perspective on it. And so if you're ready to fill in the blanks here, here's the first thing. Bad things happen to good people because we live in a fallen world. We live in a messed up world. Too many of us, we bought into the lie that this is supposed to be a wonderful place, like paradise. It's not. It was created that way, but we messed it up. Sin messed it up. The sin of humanity messed this world up. This world, the way it is today, is not the way God ever intended for it to be. The problems of this world, we're the ones that let it in. Humanity. And so bad things happen to good people because we live in a fallen world. You remember even in the garden uh, in creation when God created everything and it was perfect and it was paradise before sin entered into humanity. God, God's not into rules. There was one rule. God gave one rule to human beings before they decided to sin. He said there's one tree called the knowledge of, the good, and, of good and evil. You can't eat of the fruit of that tree. Every other tree on the planet you can eat except that one singular tree. That's the only rule. No other rules needed. But Adam and Eve wanted the one single thing they could not have. And because of their sin of eating the fruit of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, plunged all of Adam and Eve's children, all of humanity into sin. And then God had to put on a whole bunch of rules the Ten Commandments and all that, to keep us safe because this is a dangerous world. It's a dangerous planet because of sin, because it's a fallen world. Isaiah 53 verse 6 puts it this way, all of us are like sheep and have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, every one of us. So in some ways, even the question, why do bad things happen to good people is an erroneous assumption. The better question is this, why does anything good ever happen to anyone? Because none of us are good. None of us are from God's perspective. All of us are like sheep in a straightaway and have left God's path to follow our own. God chooses to pour out grace upon us in our sinful state. And we assume upon that and like, we deserve that. And no, it's grace. What does grace mean? Unmerited favor from God undeserving. I think that's the better question. Why does anything good ever happen on this planet? Because of God. 
Why do bad things happen to good people? Because of us. Because we live in a fallen world. We've all gone astray. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and says, as Scripture says, not one person has God's approval. No one understands. No one searches for God. Everyone has turned away. Together they have become rotten to the core. No one does anything good, not even one person. The problem is this. We think we're good, and why do we think we're good? Come on, let's be honest. We're in church. Because we compare ourselves to others, which, by the way, is sin. That's bad. It's pride. We, we say, well, I'm better than this person. I'm, better. I'm, not as bad. Oh, I'm not as bad as him. And even in the comparison, we're showing how rotten we are to the core. But we justify that in ourselves. There's only one, by the way, who is good, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one who was good without sin. Every one of us has been tainted with this. That's why he came. We need a savior. And so bad things happen to good people because we live in a fallen world. That's the first answer to the question. Here's the second reason why bad things happen to good people. Because we bring it on ourselves. We bring it on ourselves. We don't like to think about this. We don't like to admit this. But the Bible is really, really clear. There is an immutable law of the universe, a principle of creation, that even if we choose, I don't believe that, I deny it, it still impacts our lives. It's called sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Look at what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. You cannot fool God. One translation says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't, don't think you're getting around this. None of us get around what's being talked about here. You cannot fool God, so don't make a fool of yourself. You will harvest whatever you plant. That doesn't go into effect just when we realize this principle's in effect. It goes into effect day one on this planet of your life and my life. We will harvest whatever we plant. If you follow your selfish desires, the Bible makes this clear, you will harvest what? Destruction. Think about that for a minute. We sow a desire, a selfish desire, and what does that put into play, in effect, in our lives? Destruction. Desire equals personal destruction. Just from a desire inside. Just from a little seed of desire is a harvest of destruction, self-destruction. If you follow your selfish desires, you will harvest destruction. But if you follow the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you will harvest what? Eternal life. Sowing and reaping. This is a, this is a principle that, that we can't get away from. It's almost like, if I could put it this way, it's almost like gravity. All right, I'm up on stage a little bit here, not too far. And I can just, I don't believe in gravity. I've never seen gravity. Have you seen gravity? I've seen its effects, but you can't grab gravity. You can't touch it. You can't taste it. You can't feel it. I am going to walk on air right now because I do not believe in the principle of gravity. I've heard legends about it. I've heard wives' tales. I've heard people make up all kinds of stories about gravity, but I don't believe in gravity. It doesn't matter if I believe in it or not. It's principle. 
Sowing and reaping, same thing. <laughs> you, you could leave here today and say, I don't care, I don't believe it. Guess what? You're still stuck with it. Sowing and reaping. And, and this is why it says, don't, you can't fool God on this. D don't fool yourself. Whatever we sow, that will also reap. We reap what we sow. The fact that we reap what we sow is good news for those of us who sow good habits that, that sow uh, good seed toward godliness, but it's really, really bad news for those of us who sow selfishness and self-centeredness and sinful ways. It, it's frightening, uh, not only this whole idea of sowing and reaping, it's not only frightening about here and now, it's frightening about when we think about some of the things we've done in the past, that God actually forgives us for that sin but he never takes away the consequences. The harvest still comes, even though we're forgiven. I'll give you an example. In the Old Testament, King David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, the prophet came in, he, he took Bathsheba, who was the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, and, and he was the king, and he took her into the palace, and he slept with her, she became pregnant. Uriah, her husband, was out at war. David had Uriah actually by the general Joab ambushed in a sense and killed and murdered so that he could marry Bathsheba who was pregnant with his child and the prophet of God came in and said, why have you done this? Confronted him because God knew what happened. David fell on his face, pleaded, God, forgive me. And God said, I forgive you. The child's gonna die. But I, I thought you forgave me. I forgave you. The child's going to die. He sowed selfishness and he reaped destruction. And that's exactly what happened. The child died. God forgave him of the sin, but the seed that had been sown, quite literally, ended up in death. Don't be deceived. We don't like to think about this. What we sow, we'll reap. So things like promiscuity and drug and alcohol abuse and neglecting our family and mistreating other people, climbing the ladder of success and pushing people down on our way up. Don't be deceived. The chickens come home to roost. Whatsoever things a man sows, that he also reaps. You can't sow crabgrass and expect to reap pineapples. We cannot sow disobedience to God and his word and his principles and expect to live a blessed life. It just doesn't happen. And so let me share with you quickly three principles of sowing and reaping because here's the thing. Some of us are looking back and we're going, oh man, there's a harvest coming and I'm a little afraid. So what do you do? You start sowing really good seed now because that harvest will come as well. I, I, I've talked to so many people and they're like, Greg, I, I have a good friend of mine, a oh, decade long, decades and decades, he's been a friend. He's like, Greg, I, I need to just tell someone what I've done in my life. And I've known him for 20 plus years. And, and I said to him, I said, listen, man, let me just say this clear as I know. You, you got to start doing some good stuff. You got to start sowing some good seed so that the good harvest overtakes the bitter harvest because the bitter harvest is going to come. He's like, I'll do it. And I, I, I've had a front row seat to see God bless his life as he's determined, 
I know there's some things I've set in motion by my own actions that God's forgiven me of. But you know what? I'm going to make a better tomorrow by the seeds I sow today. And so three principles of this sowing and reaping. Here's the first one. This principle applies to everyone. Whether we believe it or not, it applies to every single one of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, the Bible makes it really clear. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged, and we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we have done in this body, in this lifetime. Every one of us, we're going to have to stand before Jesus one day, and we have to, we have to give an account for what we've done. And so this principle of sowing and reaping, it applies to every single one of us, whether we believe it, whether we're not, whether we've heard of it or whether we haven't. Because you know what? You haven't even maybe heard of it in spiritual terms, but you know this is what farmers do. You, you, you learned that in kindergarten when you got that little marigold seed and you planted that in that little tiny pot. I remember doing that for my mama. And I just planted a little seed there in kindergarten. And then Mother's Day came and there was a flower. And it was, I'm like, look, mama, what happened? We see this naturally as a principle. You sow one seed and what happens? You don't get one back. You get something multiplied times bigger, larger back. And so no one's immune from this. The principle applies to everyone. Here's the second one. The more, uh, we reap more than we sow. We reap more than we, for good or for bad, we reap more. The, the harvest is always bigger than the seed that we plant. This is good news and it's bad news. It depends on what we're sowing. Matthew chapter 13, verse 23, Jesus talked about the word of God like a seed. And look at what it says. Speaking of the word of God like a seed, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, even 100 times as much as has been planted. Do you realize that's what's happening right now? As you're hearing the message, you're hearing God's word happening. It's a seed that goes in. And depending on what you do with that seed, how you receive that seed, determines what the next few days, weeks, months, and years of your life is going to look like. That's what Jesus said. Greg didn't make that. That's, that's what Jesus said. Read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 13. We determine that by how we respond to God's word. And so this is good news, but there's also some bad news depending on what kind of seed that we sow. A good example of this is found in Hosea chapter 8, verse 7, where the Bible says, they have planted the wind and they will harvest the whirlwind. Wow. Speaking of those, that, that when we give in to our evil desires, wrong desires, twisted, selfish desires, we, we just... We just plant a wind, and we get back a hurricane. That's literally what's been talked about there in Hosea by the prophet. What you sow, you reap. It's always greater. We, we just sow a, a breath. What comes back? A hurricane. It's a principle. None of us can change. None of us can outrun that. Here's the third thing, and I think it's so important. I kind of already mentioned it about sowing and reaping. We reap later than we sow. Just, just like that little chubby-handed Greg Williamson in kindergarten when we planted that seed. I don't remember when it was, maybe January or February. We watered it and watered it and watered it. But then in May, Mother's Day, I brought my mother a marigold. Didn't happen the next day. Plant the seed and look, Mommy, a marigold. 
And this is the deceitfulness of sin. Because we don't immediately feel the consequence, we think it's okay. I dodged the bullet. It's coming. It's coming. The harvest is coming. And I wouldn't be serving you as a pastor to blow sunshine in your face and tell you, oh, no, it's okay. You'll be able to beat this. None of us beat it. The only way we beat this is receive God's grace for today and sow good seed for tomorrow. We reap later than we sow. Every one of us, days, weeks, months, years later. And this is why we ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people in 2017? It's not the only reason, but it could be a reason. It's because of what happened in 1997. We just see the outcome. And we say, why would God let that happen to that person? God sees it all. And he says, you know what? I tried to stop him in 1997. And it didn't hurt him in 1997. Because I knew 2017 was going to come. Don't be deceived, the Bible says. Whatever a man sows, he'll also reap it. Here's the third reason that bad things happen to good people. They're not all because of things that we did. They're not consequences to sin. Third reason is this, bad things happen to good people to teach and to prepare us. Think about your own life. Some of the most difficult things you walk through, you learn the most from. So, so I like to put it this way. I've heard it put this way. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. You never lose. Not if you're open to learn the lesson. Bad things happen to good people to teach us and to prepare us. In James chapter 1, a couple of summers ago, we did a whole series going through verse by verse the book of James. And right at the top of James chapter 1, the first uh, chapter in the book of James, it says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Realize this, every time he says brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Not if, when. Every one of us is going to face tough times. Bad things are going to happen. Consider it pure joy, uh, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance. There was this little guy in the Old Testament. His name was uh, Davy. Davy was a shepherd. And one day while he's tending the sheep, a bear came. And tried to steal one of the sheep. And he pulled out a slingshot. And he killed the bear. And I'm sure he went home that night. And he was like, man, that was a bad thing that happened to me. And I'm a good person. Later on, God would say about old David, he's a man after my own heart. He went out another day to tend the sheep. A lion came this time. He pulled out his slingshot. Boom, killed the lion. Whoo, man, I'm a good person. Why is this happening to me? Until one day, David grew up and he became David the shepherd. And there was a giant who defied the people of God named Goliath. 
And David said, let me add him. And the king, Saul, came to him and said, you're crazy, son. He goes, no, I'm not crazy. He said, I faced the bear, I faced the lion, and this Goliath will die as well. He recognized that all the, the bear and the lion were preparing him for Goliath. You know what I've learned in my life? I always like, oh, this is Goliath. I'm facing Goliath right now. God's like, that's just a bear. Goliath's on down the line. You're just getting you ready. That's all it is. And then I face something else. I'm like, surely this is Goliath. Like, no, that's just a lion this time. That's all. I'm just getting you ready. I'm teaching you perseverance. But because before I can do something really significant through you, I've got to do something significant in you. Why do bad things happen? to good people. One of the reasons is to teach us and to prepare us to fulfill the purpose that God has created us for. We're, we're, so, we're so locked in time, aren't we? We, we just think today's it. There's just, it's, there's no tomorrow. And we get so focused on the here and now that we forget maybe this is preparing me for the future that God has for me. Bad things happen to good people to teach us and prepare us. I, I heard this quote, I, I, I like it. Napoleon Hill put it this way. Every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or a greater benefit. Everyone. I, I remember I like to think of this, uh, you know, I, I dated a few young ladies before God brought the woman he had for me into my life. The one right before I dated Susie just busted my heart to pieces. And I remember like, oh, this is terrible. And I, I did what you do in Bible college. I know no one else does it. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm over this. I'm just going to focus on the Lord. And I'm not interested in dating any longer. And then it was about three months later, Susie and I started dating. And... Uh, but, but during that time, when, when I finally written, this is the one that God has for me. You know what I could see? Each of those young ladies, kind of, but no. Sort of, but no. Maybe, uh-uh. Preparing me for the one that God had for me. I, I had to go through some of that mess to figure out, this is the woman that I want to live with the rest of my life. This is the woman I want to share the rest of my life with. I had to like, prepare me for her. And I've told her several times and I continue to tell, you know, I had a lot of sharp edges. She, she kind of saw the smoothed over Greg when we started dating because of some of that. Bad things happen to teach us and to prepare us. Every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries within it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. Everyone, you either win or you learn. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Here, here's the fourth re reason bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people to bring glory to God. What? Jesus made this very clear. Bad things happen to good people to bring glory to God. One day there was a blind man. 
And, and, and Jesus, uh, in the Gospels, we read this story uh, in, in John chapter 9. And, and, and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they said this to him like, listen, tell us, who sinned? Why is he blind? Because all they thought of was, it's got to be a natural consequence of someone's sin. That's one of the five reasons we're talking about today, but it's not the only one. And so they said, who sinned? Did he sin or did his parents sin? Why is he blind? And Jesus gave them a very interesting answer. Look at it in John chapter 9, verse 3. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He says, no one's wrong here. No one's at fault here. But this happened. This bad thing. This is bad. He's blind. This is bad. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then you know what Jesus did? You can read this. This is crazy. It's not his parents who sinned. It's not him who sinned. But that God, that his works would be displayed. And then Jesus goes like this. And spits in the ground, on the ground. The blind guy's like, and then he takes the spit and the mud and he wipes it and he sticks it on the guy's eyes. How would you like to be the blind guy at this point? Like, okay, great. First you spit on my, you know, near my feet. Now you're wiping mud in my eyes. And then Jesus says, now listen. Here's what I want you to do, Charlie. You go on down to the, to the little pond, the little water down there. And wash the mud off your face. That's all he said. So you know what the blind guy did? He went down to the pool that Jesus identified, washed the mud off his face, and he could see. And his eyes were open. So, so many times we're like, whoa, I'm blind? Now, now it seems like I'm spit and mud and surely there's no way God's got anything to do with any of this. And we don't know what the next step is yet. We, we get so locked in our limited perspective of our circumstances and our situations and we don't realize this happened for a reason. God's going to bring great good out of this. And he's going to show his mighty power through my life that looks like it is just one disaster after another. Why do bad things happen to good people? One of the reasons is to bring glory to God. And here's the fifth reason. Let me, let me give you a quick review. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a fallen world. Number two, because sometimes we bring it on ourselves. Number three, to teach and to prepare us for the purpose God has for us. Number four, to bring glory to God. Number five, and I love this one, that's why I wanted to end on it. Why do bad things happen to good people? Bad things happen to good people to, to, to remind us this is not our home. This is not our home. This isn't the end. It doesn't end here. This is not our home. Listen, I, I heard someone say this one time. I love this. I don't even remember who said it, but it's so true. For the Christian, for the Christian, 
this is as bad as it's ever going to get. <laughs> the best is yet to come. For, for those who have received Christ as their Savior, and we know what it means not to be perfect, but to be forgiven, that, that we know what it means that, yeah, yeah, I may have messed up, and there may be some, some, some stuff coming down the pipe I'm not aware of, but he's with me and I can get through it. For, for those who name Jesus Christ as their Savior and he's the Lord of my life, I've surrendered my life to him. This is as bad as it's ever going to be. The best is yet to come. But the same is true for the opposite. For those that don't know Jesus Christ that have rejected him, oh, that's just a bunch of nonsense, that's foolishness this is as good as it's ever going to get. It doesn't get any better than this. It gets worse. It gets much, much worse. For those of us who have received Christ, this is not our home. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. In John chapter 16, 2,000 years ago, Jesus put it this way. I've told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. Before you and I were ever born, Jesus said this. In this world, you're going to have trouble. This world is a dangerous place. It's not fair. It's not safe. This is a bad place place. Jesus said that 2,000 years ago, and it hasn't gotten any better. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. He says, I've overcome the world. The best is yet to come. Trust me. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Trust me. The best is yet to come. I, I love this promise in Psalm 103, verse 10 and 12. It says, he, that's speaking of God, does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Every one of us deserves it. When we look at the cross, when we look at what Jesus suffered, that's what I deserve for my sin. That's what you deserve for your sin. But, but Jesus, through his perfect life, and his sacrificial, he substituted himself for you. He substituted himself for me. He paid the price for my personal sin and your personal sin. He didn't want you to have to pay for your sins. That's why he came. And he rose again three days later after his crucifixion. It says, he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve, every one of us. He has removed our sins as far as as far from us as the east is from the west. That's what God has done. But because he's like, that's not what I have planned for this world. That's, that's not what I have planned for you. That, that's not what I have planned for you, Chris. I, I've got so much more planned for you, Scott. I, I, I've got so much more. Trust me. Surrender, receive my son, and I will separate your sins 
as far as the east is from the west. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. And so I, I want to end this message. Why do bad things happen to good people? And it's not because I have some sort of morbid uh, perspective or groove on pain or difficulty. But we're going to keep on every one of us bumping up against tough times. Until one day we see him face to face. The one who loved us so much that he gave everything. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the reality is there's only been one good person. And his name's Jesus Christ. And look at what this world did to him. He was the only one who's really good. And he took all the bad. And he paid for it in his own body, with his own flesh, with his own life. So that for you and for me, we could receive the good that God has for us. Not just temporarily a touch here and there for 70 something some odd years on this planet, but for all time and eternity in his presence. Because one day, 2,000 years ago, not just something bad, something awful, something heinous, something wicked happened to the only good person who's ever really walked this planet. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. The best is yet to come. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, first of all, we just thank you for your word that kind of gives us your perspective on this earth, on the things of this world. Father, first of all, we just ask you to forgive us for actually assuming that we're good because we did that in comparing ourselves with other people which that in and of itself is bad, makes us bad. And Father, thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect and a sinless life. He alone was good, but he died. And he sacrificed himself and he substituted himself for each and every one of us that would receive him that payment for our lives. And he rose again from the grave, conquering death three days later. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us so much that, that even if it was just forgiveness of the weight of our sins in this world, that would almost seem like enough, but you also give us eternal life when we receive Christ. Thank you, Father, that you love us so much that you want to be with us for all time and eternity and that this world is truly not our home. And so, Father, we thank you. And, and may we serve you greater. Maybe, may we sow good seed that will overtake any bitter or bad harvest that awaits us in the future. And may we walk out your word every day that gives us hope, that gives us direction, and that gives us life. Right now, I just want to, as 
we have our eyes closed and our heads bowed, I want to give opportunity for, for everyone here right now today. If you've never taken that step really to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can do it right now. The Bible makes it really, really clear if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Simply put, all you have to do is, is simply receive Christ as your Savior. Call upon him today. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and turn to him and, and to really acknowledge him. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I, I want you to guide and direct the rest of my life, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I recognize you paid the price. You don't want me to have to pay for them. Be my savior. Father, I just pray right now that, that faith, the seed of faith would spring up in every heart that doesn't know Jesus at this time. And Lord, salvation and eternal life would be the harvest. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.